Welcome to the Lapsus Lima podcast. Please support us by signing up for member-exclusive content at lapsuslima.com. Hello, everyone. I'm David Getson. Welcome to Intermezzo 17. Before I start, I'd like to share with you some very exciting news. As of October 2017, I will be teaching in a new architecture program based in Naples, Italy. The program website at buildingbeauty.net, all one word, explores architecture in the manner of Christopher Alexander, that is, as a phenomenon of life, though it is not restricted to the study of his methods. Chris himself, his wife Maggie, and frequent collaborator Sergio Porta have been instrumental in setting up this institution. If you want to attend or support the school, let us know. Just as this podcast has never sent you typical history, this will not be a typical architecture program. The year-long intensive first-level master's course will be located in a 17th-century monastery, now part of the Suor Ursula Benin Casa University. Among the central aims of the program is to learn profound building by doing. Those interested in distinguishing their career or in putting a productive note at the end of a successful bachelor's or master's program, please contact me via info at lapsuslima.com or Sergio through the buildingbeauty.net website. I am happy to say that this is a place where theory and practice will go, as they should, hand in glove. Now, regarding some chatter in the broader architectural world, a lot of gloves came off in talk surrounding recent statements by the architect Patrick Schumacher. We have been asked to address the controversy in some detail by several of our listeners, and so we will. After a recent lecture at the World Architecture Festival held in Berlin, Zaha Hadid's one-time co-pilot was called the Donald Trump of Architecture, which, if you ask us, gives him too much credit. Schumacher himself has replied to these claims by saying that he simply wanted to start a constructive conversation and challenge the current left-liberal anti-capitalist consensus within the discipline. Well, if we meet any left-wing buildings, we'll suggest they move to Florida so the U.S. can finally sort out its electoral college mess. At Lapsus Lima, we are sick of hearing conversations about conversations, especially when these are conversations about starting conversations. People talk about a conversation on gun violence, a conversation on race, and so forth. So are we now supposed to have a conversation about a supposed political consensus in architecture? Setting aside this absurdity of metacognition, let's look 
At the eight-point plan Schumacher outlined, the one that roused the screams of indignation. 1. Regulate the planners. Development rights must be the starting point. Then, tightly define and circumscribe the planners' scope and legitimate reasons for constraining development rights, access traffic constraints, infringements of neighbors' property, utilization, rights of light, Historic heritage preservation pollution limits, nothing else can be brought to bear. No social engineering agendas. Schumacher has been called a libertarian, and while many of his arguments do fall along those lines, this is patently ridiculous. Planners are themselves regulations, so who watches the watchman? Anyone with a rudimentary grasp of logic knows that there are two ways to answer this question. The first is to have those who are watched watch them. The second is to appoint an endless string of infinite regress. The architect here chooses the latter and places all power with development rights, which are held by developers. So, we'd like to ask Mr. Schumacher in turn, who regulates the regulators who regulate the planners? It is bizarre, if not suspect, for an alleged libertarian to ask for measures meant to ensure maximum red tape, unless, that is, he himself hopes to exert a developer's influence on one of these supra-regulatory boards. 2. Abolish all land-use prescriptions. The market should perhaps also allocate land uses so that more residences can come in until the right balance with work and entertainment spaces is discovered. Only the market has a chance to calibrate this intricate balance. This would appear to wipe the slate clean in a very superficial way, since we already know what this urban landscape looks like. New York's Collect Pond in the 1810s, London in the 1840s, Chicago in the 1880s, etc., etc. Let's examine these historical examples to drive the point home. Schumacher thinks the market should drive land use? Well, neither parks nor sewage management are profitable, a fact proved by how both went into crisis during the laissez-faire urban development of the 19th century. Considering he wants to see if Hyde Park could be paved over, what price per entry would make a dog park profitable. In London and Manhattan, it would cost more than Broadway. So do we hate taxes and love money so much as to rather see mid-rise condos go up in all those places? Because let us assure you that is what the market would prefer. And, as we all know, Schumacher's firm makes no money from dog parks. 
There is such a thing as a social good. Profit as a sole metric is a miserable yardstick. Stop all vain and unproductive attempts at milieu protection. This is a term used for zoning codes that protect a certain urban fabric by population density or urban typology. Eliminating it is a preservationist's nightmare. Again, this is a question of money versus all else. The whole reason these codes exist is because they were fought for and hard won, starting in the 60s when citizens or districts got uppity enough to say to moneyed interests that they liked living where they were and didn't want their areas disrupted. While there certainly are issues with how these zoning laws are executed, opening them up to the free market is not the solution. 4. Abolish all prescriptive housing standards. Schumacher has taken a lot of flack for this one, but we see his point. Standards hinder as much as they help. Imagine if we had minimum clothing size standards, which in a certain sense we do, leaving small women and short men incredibly frustrated. There should be more flexibility on this front, but at the same time, one needs to remember that the market loves and anoints slumlords, and this is why the standards were created to begin with. These next three are pretty much the same point. He must have felt extra angry. 5. Abolish all forms of social and affordable housing. No more imposition of quota of various types of affordable housing. Phase out and privatize all council housing. Phase out the housing benefit system and substitute with monetary support without specific purpose allocation. 6. Abolish all government subsidies for home ownership, like help to buy. 7. Abolish all forms of rent control and one-fits-all regulation of tenancies. There's a real conflict here, so let's look at things before social housing existed. Does a return to the 1920s really promise improvement? For a libertarian, Schumacher displays incredible naivete and a signal lack of understanding of supply and demand. The reason that rent control screws up markets is that it artificially eases demand without increasing supply. Therefore, it can be argued that rent control will accelerate gentrification insofar as it sucks units out of the market system without providing additional spaces. New units will need to be more expensive than otherwise to bring the area into market equilibrium. We might agree with him here if he were to complete the thought and state that the subsidy should go into smart planning, 
where an increase in supply is used to keep housing affordable. 8. Privatize all streets, squares, public spaces and parks, possibly whole urban districts. This is merely a recapitulation of point 2. Abolish all land use prescriptions, but said in a more in-your-face way. We have no idea why he would say this except to rile people up and get attention. In that sense, mission accomplished. Congratulations. And besides, there are plenty of recent examples of privatization of municipal functions that have gone terribly wrong. Privatization of water, of tollways, and of street management are just a few. Rarely do I feel the need to prescribe nostalgia to someone. In this case, though, I want Schumacher to indulge in some exercises of remember when, just to jog his imagination a little bit. He need only go back to the 1990s to remember how the free market was supposed to save us all. NAFTA was going to make a holy garden of Mexico, and the Clinton administration came this close to bringing democracy to China and manufacturing jobs to the U.S. by liberalizing trade relations. Now, even Clinton economic advisor Larry Summers won't profess ultimate faith in markets anymore. Schumacher isn't thinking his suggested policies through, and that should not surprise anyone. A lot of his noise is extremely self-serving. Replace free market with my firm will win the bidding competition, and you'll get the idea. This man is not paid to think. He is not paid to solve. He is paid to create branding images for real estate developers and has become skilled enough at it that he's begun to believe his own hype. The same applies to all those overly earnest young people who think they will accomplish much by screaming in the streets. Never strangle a drowning enemy. The effective path is not to protest, but to create. Expend energy on yes. Make what you want to see where you want to see it.